Rock Seller Magazine. Hi, I'm Lisa Loeb, and I have a brand new album out. I just want to let you know I have a new record out called Run To Me. Hi, Hi. we're Pablo Cruz. I got a new single. I've got new music. I got a new hip. No, 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 no. Not, not that kind of hip. Contests, giveaways, prizes. Daily free newsletter. Never miss out. Rock music news delivered. Rocksellermagazine.com slash subscribe. and we really want to thank you all for joining us. So today my guest co-host is Nick Mancini. Excited to have him today. And along with that, we have Danny Janklo and Cameron Graves. But before we go for any further, we will be hosting the Warner Park Ranch June 27th to kick off summer. They will be holding weekly concerts until September 5th. And opening is Alunus, Ticket to Ride, Leading Beatles tribute bands, and BCF's favorites that will take us through the celebration. And we want you to join us. Head on over to valleycultural.org for more information. And I did some actual really normal things today. I actually went to the gym. That's normal, right? I mean, everybody has a gym membership. Everything's opening back up. We started off really small, you know, because I want to get that summer body ready, but it looks like it might be ready by winter, so we don't know. <laughs> I did about 30 minutes, you know, total, 10 cardio on the machine in about 15 minutes taking those selfies, because I had to show everybody that was actually at the gym. Wish me luck, you guys. <laughs> it might be ready till next winter. So we're going to do another normal thing today. Before we start with our guests with our show, we're going to have a word from our sponsors. Hello and welcome to the Valley Cultural Foundation's Arts on the Move event. I'm Congressman Brad Sherman from America's best name city, Sherman Oaks. If you or someone you know is having trouble dealing with any federal agency, perhaps a stimulus payment or difficulty with a PPP loan for small business, call my constituent services office at 818-501-9200. My staff works very hard, they'll solve your problem, and then I, Brad Sherman, take the credit. I think that's a great system. Again, our number is 818-501-9200. I'm Congressman Brad Sherman. Good morning. At Amazon, we have husbands and wives that work together, daughters and mothers that work together, and we feel like a family together. You drive home, right? Don't always. <laughs> my name is Deontay, and I work with my fiance, Tiara. It's just fun to work with my best friend. <laughs> My daughter. <laughs> we rely on everybody else. It's like a big, huge family. I'm very thankful to have that. Love you. Love you. The type of relationships that you create make you come in with a smile on your face. Welcome back to the show. This is Arts on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Calypso, and I'm excited to have our next guest today. He is my co-host. We'll be sharing the stage with actually a vibraphonist okay it took me a while to say that but i learned a new word today we have composer arranger and band leader his name is nick mancini nick welcome to the show thank you for coming thanks for having me thank you so much how are you today good it's a good day i'm glad you're here with us so we're gonna talk it's national jazz month so you are the person the perfect person to be talking about that and to give us some information and just to tell us a little bit about you know your your journey and just because i i've actually listened to jazz 
But I, you know what? The music's pretty good and really soothing. Like, I want to go to a jazz concert now, really now, because now I know what jazz music is such a good, good music to feel ambient and, you know, to just have like a nice cup of wine and just to enjoy it with other people. And please tell us where you're from and how did you get started playing with the music? Sure. Uh, I'm actually originally from upstate New York, a, a small town called Amsterdam, which is about three hours north of New York City. Um, and I was, uh, I, I was seduced by the drums at, at the age of uh, 13 and, um, you know, did the whole high school band thing and, and uh, marching band and whatnot. Um, and uh, was also at the same time playing in local rock bands and cover bands and stuff. And it came time to figure out what I was going to do for college. Um, and my mom, in her infinite wisdom, said, um, well, you seem to be playing music eight hours a day, so why don't you go to music school? <laughs> and, uh, and I thought she was making a really good point. So um, fast forward to uh, uh, the graduating high school. I started at Schenectady County Community College. I was there for three years and then uh, transferred to SUNY Potsdam, which is up near the Canadian border, and finished up my undergrad there. Uh, there was a, a band that came through from New York City. Actually, a couple of bands came through from New York City, and uh, it became obvious to me by listening to how great they were that I needed to move to New York. Um, so I auditioned at Manhattan School of Music, um, and they gave me a scholarship, which was I couldn't believe they did, because honestly, I, I really don't think I knew what I was actually doing. But um, regardless, they, they, uh, they accepted me. And so I did my master's degree at Manhattan School of Music. And, and that was where I actually focused on jazz vibraphone. Uh, so up until that point in time, I had been playing mostly classical percussion, um, preparing to audition to be in orchestras and whatnot, but uh, had been bitten by the jazz bug fairly early on. And uh, someone had given me a Milt Jackson record. Milt Jackson's one of the greatest jazz vibe players that's ever lived. Um, and I immediately thought, oh my gosh, that's what I want to do. So um, when I went to Manhattan School of Music, I focused primarily on learning the language of jazz uh, via playing the vibraphone. Um, and then uh, I stayed on in New York City for another eight years. Uh, and then in 2006, moved to Los Angeles. And I lived in Los Angeles up until May of last year um, when it became apparent that things were not going to be returning to normal uh, anytime soon. Um, and so my wife and I uh, and our daughter, at the time she was only about uh, six or seven months old, decided we would uproot and move to Tulsa, Oklahoma. My wife is originally from Tulsa. So we moved here and we're surrounded by family. Um, and, uh, and actually I have to say a really thriving music scene. I, I mean, I've been coming to Tulsa for, for visits for the past 10 years, cause my wife and I've been together for that long. And, uh, I always was able to, to pick up gigs whenever I came through town. So I knew a lot of the people that, that, you know, booked gigs and were playing. So pretty much as soon as I got here, I started, I started getting my feet, you know, firmly settled and, um, and here we are now, uh, almost almost a year later. I'm, I'm in my garage in Tulsa. I've never had a garage in my adult life, so that's pretty cool. I have to add, Nick, that your mom is very smart 
for putting you into that music. Like, let's make some money. <laughs> you know, every model always thinks about your kid's future and how we can, you know, reverse the situation. Um, can you explain? Yeah. Can you explain the difference between the vibraphone, the xylophone, and the marimba? Did I say it right? It sounds very Latin. Marimba. You did. Yeah. Okay. Yes, that's right. So they're all three of them are what are known as uh, tuned percussion instruments, meaning that they're percussion instruments, but they have notes on them like you find on the piano. Uh, they all look pretty much like this with bar, uh, tone bars that you play on. And then these pipes underneath are called resonator pipes and these make the notes louder. Um, so that is what they all have in common. What makes the vibraphone unique uh, in comparison to the xylophone and the marimba is that the vibraphone has metal bars. These bars are made out of aluminum. Uh, the bars on a, on a xylophone or on a marimba are made out of wood. Uh, so when you strike a xylophone bar or you strike a marimba bar, it only rings for about a second or two, depending on the size of the bar. But the vibraphone, uh, because they're metal bars, can the, the notes can sustain for quite a long time. The same as if you were to play a piano and you can listen to the notes sustain for you know up to a minute sometimes. So, um, so the vibraphone also has a dampening mechanism on it, just like on the piano. Uh, and you work that with a pedal that's down uh, located underneath the instrument. So when I press the pedal down, it releases the dampening mechanism and lets the bars ring. And when the pedal is up, it, it makes the bars uh, it cuts the bars off so that the note is short. So I have control over the length of the note. And that, that is really the major difference between um, the marimba the, and, and the marimba and xylophone and the vibraphone. The xylophone and marimba are, are really quite similar. Um, <clears throat> they're found in different forms of music. Um, the xylophone and marimba are found in orchestral music. Marimba can be found in all sorts of folkloric music from Central and South America. Um, the vibraphone is heard today mostly in pop, R&B, and primarily jazz settings, although it is also an orchestral instrument. And that's how I came to know of it, uh, was it was one of the instruments that I had to learn when I was studying classical percussion. So it's a tuned percussion instrument. And if you were to look down at the surface, the playing surface, you would see that um, the, there's a, a set of three bars and a set of two bars and then three and two. And these correspond to the black keys on the piano. And then the other row of bars would correspond to the white keys on the piano. So if you know your notes on the piano, you can play the vibraphone. Oh, wow. I was just going to say- And play with these, struck with these mallets. I was just gonna say that those little empty brackets there looked like something was missing, but you know what you're doing. <laughs> I love classical piano, especially solo classical piano. And so I'm, I often try to, to do things that one might hear a pianist do. And so, you know, yeah, I, I get into like those, those repeated sort of fast passages and stuff quite often. It takes an awful lot for me to get tired from playing now. I mean, I've been, I've been doing it for quite a while and uh, uh, you know, I've played for an hour straight wow. and, and not felt the slightest amount of fatigue. That's awesome. Um, what, what makes jazz so different than playing other kinds of music? Um, well, I have played a lot of different styles of music, so I, I, I feel pretty good about being able to answer this. Um, what I have noticed, it, it, so 
the thing about jazz, first of all, the thing that, that make, makes jazz unique is that it is based almost entirely on improvisation. Uh, we'll have, there will be a theme presented and then the entire ensemble improvises new variations in the moment based on that theme. And um, in order to do that uh, and, and create really substantial sounding music, you have to be almost completely devoid of ego. But, but at the same time, there has to still be a sprinkling of ego in there because it takes an, an enormous amount of confidence to spontaneously create music in front of an audience, mm -hmm. obviously, right? Yeah. So it's, it's this balance of like humility and confidence at the same time. And I haven't noticed that to be the case, at least for me, with any other form of music that I've ever played. With, with classical music, um, there, there isn't a, a, a lot of room for variation and, and for in interpretation, but um, you essentially learn the, all of the notes that are on the page. You don't often improvise based on it. You just play what the composer has intended and you try to perfect it and, and present it in the most musical way possible. But, you know, that that doesn't require the same kind of um, peace almost really uh, that that I feel jazz requires. If if you were to want to really be a conduit for whatever musical inspiration comes to you. So it's it's about finding this, you know, the uh, people in sports call it the zone where where you're so in tune with the. The, the skill set of whatever it is you need to do is so perfectly um, in tune that you don't need to think about what you're doing and you can just be open to the inspiration. So um, I think that that it makes it the, that, that makes the biggest difference. And then also, of course, the fact that you're improvising 98% of the performance quite often. That's very understandable. Thank you so much. Don't you go away. We're going to have Danny Janklo and Cameron Graves. Both are fr good friends of yours as well. You're going to be talking to them mm -hmm. about the jazz scene. So we're going to get to know more about jazz after a word from our sponsors. Hi, I'm Tim Gaspar with Gaspar Insurance. And we are thrilled to announce that we're the proud sponsor of the Valley Cultural Foundation's new Arts on the Move podcast. The Valley Cultural Foundation does fantastic work here in the San Fernando Valley bringing arts and music and culture to all of us. Did you know U2's first concert in the United States was right here in Reseda at the Reseda Country Club? And Bruno Mars was actually discovered in Woodland Hills at Pickwick's Pub? Very, very cool. As the leading auto and home insurance agency in the San Fernando Valley, we're thrilled to be a part of all of this. And as part of this podcast, if you call our office and get a quote for auto, home, or earthquake insurance, you'll get a $10 Amazon gift card just for making the call. So please call one of our team members today and go to gasparinsurance.com and let us know that you heard about us on the podcast. Now, enjoy the podcast and have a great day. The Shumash people have stood proud along the California coast for thousands of years. Today, we stand for education. With our tribal youth high school graduation rate at 100%, we stand for giving. As contributors of more than $25 million to the community, we stand for the environment, diverting 90% of our waste stream from landfills. And we stand for wellness, serving 3,000 patients from our health clinic. We are the Santa Ynez Band of Shumash Indians, standing proud with the Valley Cultural Foundation. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us, I have my guest co-host for today. We have Nick Mancini. 
Thank you so much for still joining us and for celebrating National Jazz Month. And also joining us is his friends, uh, fellow jazz makers, Danny Jankwell and Cameron Graves. So if they are joining us, go ahead and waltz on into the stage of the Zoom. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I'm Danny. Nice Welcome to meet you guys. <laughs> nice to meet you, Calypso. Hi, how are you guys? Hey. How's everybody going? How's everybody doing? Good. 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 Thank you so much for joining us and celebrating National Jazz Month. Okay, so we're going to get right into it. Uh, I mean, you all three of you guys are friends, right? And you also play jazz music. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. So, uh, Danny, please tell us uh, where are you from and how did you get started with playing the music? I'm actually born and raised in the L.A. area. Um, and I was lucky to go to school at Agora High School that had a really strong uh, department, uh, music department led by John Mosley. I was introduced at a very young age to the music of Duke Ellington. And at that point it was kind of a wrap. Like I loved the celebration aspect of Duke Ellington's music. And I, and I got into Charlie Parker. I got into Cannibal Adderley, John Coltrane, Ben Webster, basically a lot of the old school, um, swing era and bebop, uh, influences. And that just, drove me like to really wanting to work hard and 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 going out and and searching uh for the for the legends of the music and trying to get my hands on like nick said earlier the language of the music and trying to understand the spiritual and rhythmic language that that was being uh communicated between the musicians on the stage so from a young age from like 13 14 i was really driven to just uh learn as much as i can about playing the saxophone but also about the language and, uh, and then when I, when I was able to be old enough, I went to Philadelphia and went to school in Philadelphia at Temple University. And that's where I really, um, dove right into the, to what I refer to respectfully as the black American music, uh, uh, tree, if you will, because there's, you know, in black American music to me, you know, there's just, it's more than just jazz. It's, you know, there's funk, there's, you know, rock, there's everything. Um, and Philly was to me, a, a, a huge eye opener to the cultural aspect, uh, that I, that I was really searching for, um, to be able to be a part of and learn from the authentic roots of the music. Um, and so one of the tunes I think that you're going to hear coming up, uh, Nick played on, and it's kind of tying my experiences being a California native and also having this four year experience uh, in Philadelphia at Temple University and playing on the scene there and really growing from the ages of 18 to 22 and playing in New York. So this song is called Philifornia. Um, when you do listen to it, I'll give you a little, a little tidbit because I have my horn right here. I wrote this song. I think Nick, Nick knows, Nick knows about this cause he, he played in my band for a very long time, the elevation band, but I wrote this song kind of uh, between sort of like this little line that I would warm up with. And then this, that's the California part. And then the Philly part is like the hook, the bridge that has, it's a little more funky. It's a little more, um, I, it just has a little more, uh, soulful hook to it. So this is like sort of the, 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 the Cali part. <laughs> Right. And then you'll hear the bridge uh, later on. You'll hear the bridge and, and you'll, you'll see how the two work. Um, 
and to me, you know, it just kind of embodies my experience of living in both places and uh, the soulfulness of Philadelphia, but also the 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 casual uh, chillness of California. <laughs> that's a perfect explanation of that song. That's exactly what I get because every time uh, we play that tune, we're always like hanging out in that really nice vamp section on the A, and then we get to the bridge and it's like, holy what? <laughs> It's, it's all, it's kind but, of but that's how I felt when I, when I splashed into Philadelphia. I mean, I felt like, wow, like, you know, this is what soul is, you know, like Philly is just one of those towns It really is soulful a lot like Detroit or Chicago, um, you know, just has, has a really big, big impact on whoever lives there. And, and everybody that lives there has a vibe, you know, when they play together. So it's like, you're either, you're either swimming with the sharks or you're, or you're, you know, Shark dying meat. with the fishes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Especially the drummers out in Philly. Speaking, um, speaking of sharks, Danny, who are your influencers? The influences, you know, I, I named a few of them earlier, but that that's that was more in the 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 classic jazz era. I'd say I've been influenced by you know everybody from like Debussy to Radiohead to uh, James Brown, Stevie Wonder. Um, you know, I I I really appreciate like an authentic melodic singable melody, and then I love uh, being able to sort of you know have freedom for the rhythm section to uh to also kind of change it up when they want to you know like i'm i i consider myself a pretty like open-minded composer i try not to lock in my musicians and that's something that i appreciate from people that i just mentioned but especially like a band leader like miles davis uh was so open very specific in the way he led his bands but wanted his musicians to attain uh, serious freedom on their own and be able to uh, add their own element to the music. So that's something that I, I strive for in my own band leading and composing. Thank you. 
State Properties. My wife Katie and I want to take a moment to say thank you very much for all your support throughout the years. And you know what? We have over the years have been supporting the Valley Cultural Foundation. The Valley Cultural Foundation is a 501c3 nonprofit that brings the community together. Whether it be arts, music, there's nothing like the Valley Cultural Foundation. So give them a call, find out what it is they do, and be part of it. In the meantime, if you're thinking about buying and selling real estate, give Joe and Katie Andrews a call, and you can reach us at joeandkatieandrews.com. Proud to be part of the Pinnacle State family. So thank you very much. We'll talk to you soon. Westfield Topanga is open with over 200 retailers ready to serve you. Westfield Reward members can earn 2.5% cash back when you shop at any Westfield Topanga and the Village Store or Restaurant and up to 750 cash back when shopping luxury. So sign up today and get exclusive access to events, gift with purchases, and more. Visit westfield.com slash Topanga or text 818-306-5956 to learn more. Welcome back to the show. It's National Jazz Month. If you're just joining us, we just heard an awesome piece, a very beautiful piece done by Danny. Oh my goodness, that was so, so beautiful. We have my guest co-host, we have Nick Mancini, and along we have Cameron Graves. Thank you guys for sticking with us. That was such a beautiful. Thank you for place. having us, Danny. Please tell us oh, a little bit about that. Uh, where where was that shot? Uh, where where did you Absolutely. guys do that? Please tell me. So you know, uh, we lost a, a a really amazing venue. I mean, beyond uh, amazing. I mean, it was it was our it was our musical home here in Los Angeles for a lot of us uh, in December of last year. And that's the blue whale and shout out to June Lee for 11 years of incredible music there. Um, that's where I really developed a lot of my original music. I think Nick can attest to, you know, we played a lot there. We were, uh, constantly, I felt like we were, that was where we developed most of my compositions and, 
This was our final concert uh, with my band there uh, just a month before lockdown started. Um, and this record, which is going to be released hopefully sometime this year, is called Live on Love Day or, or Love Day Live at the Blue Whale. Uh, it's definitely going to be a tribute. It was, it was shot on February 14th, 2000, uh, 2020. Um, and that piece, like I said before, is called California. It's off of my my first studio album, uh, Elevation, and the, the project is the Elevation Band. Uh, and if you see uh, my second record, which I have behind me, but I'll show you a little close-up, I just got some vinyl copies printed, and this is uh, Worlds Collide. Nick came out to Brooklyn uh, to record this one. We played a, a residency out, out on the East Coast at uh, Jazz at Lincoln Center for a week, and we recorded that record. So that's a follow-up to the, to this record. And so the combination of both Elevation and Worlds Collide is kind of the tunes that we worked with on this live record. Um, so it's live, live uh, cuts of those songs, but also a few new originals. And um, I mean, honestly, it was just, it was such a special night because, I mean, first off, it was my last show with my band before we had to, you know, call it quits for the time being. But uh, mostly it was just such a warm evening. I, I just, I loved that we were set up right in the middle of the venue. Uh, so when you see the video, uh, you know, we're, we're really, we have audience members, cut, you know, just 360 degrees around us and playing in that kind of environment where you can really feel everybody's energy, especially with the music that I write. And I'm sure Cameron could attest to, you know, like with the West coast get down and his own music, we really feed off the audience. You know, it's really a communication based music. Uh, and I think that's something that Nick was, was making a point at earlier was that like, you know, 98% of this music, I think that's a good ratio of how much we're improvising is really spontaneous. It's based on a form, you know, or a vamp or, you know, or a set of changes or a set of what, you know, however you want to, uh, uh, break it down. There's a lot of different ways to compose form, but, um, what we're doing is really feeding off each other's energy, but more so than that, we're feeding off of the whole room's energy. And that night was really special. So I'm really looking forward to putting out that record love day live at the blue whale soon. And before that, I'm actually going to release a, a, a single that I just went and did, um, during this pandemic a few weeks ago, actually, I, I went into the studio with a new band. Unfortunately, Nick is out of town, so he wasn't able to be on this recording. So it's kind of, it's kind of a different project that I'm starting up. Um, so that'll be coming out soon and you can find all that, uh, you know, information out at my, you know, my socials at Danny Janklow on Twitter and Instagram and, or Danny or on Facebook, Danny Janklow music. So you keep up with me and you know, I, I love getting messages from my, you know, my fans and e emails and whatever. I mean, I'm, I, I do really appreciate the support and I, I really love, you know, keeping in contact with everybody. So feel free to reach out. That's awesome. So, uh, Cameron, what are your, actually your influences in music? Oh man, my influence. That's, that's, a, that's going to be a long conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have, so, <laughs> and, uh, that's a deep question. Uh, I mean, I mean, I can tell you this, that I have like, I have maybe about four main, you know, Frederick Chopin is one of my main influences. Uh, just the way that Chopin writes his music. Every song is significant. Every song is, is yeah, memorable. You know, you can almost sing the melodies. And then, but the way that Chopin writes is you have to have a lot of technique to play Chopin. Um, but his songs have 
a simple melody and chordal structure, but you have to have a lot of technique to play his his songs. It's 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 really funny with Chopin, you know. So I love Chopin for that. It's a dichotomy where you have a lot of chops, but then uh, once you play the tune, it's it's kind of like a simple melody that can be remembered. Um, my next influence, I would say, would be John Coltrane and the whole Coltrane Quartet. That was where I started in jazz. Uh, McCoy Tyner was kind of like my bass piano player that I got all my jazz piano from, uh, you could say. I mean, you know, I mean, there's two schools of, of, of jazz teaching. There's the Miles Davis Quintet and there's the John Coltrane Quartet. And I'm, fr I'm from the John Coltrane Quartet. I mean... You know, me and my guys, I'm from the, the West Coast Get Down uh, collective out here from Los Angeles with Kamasi Washington and Miles Mosley and all those guys. And that is, we used to jam out on that stuff all the time in high school. So that's, uh, that was big for me, John Coltrane. Can I interject for a second? Cameron? Yeah, go ahead. Because you just, you just made me yeah. something that I wanted to ask you. Um, I mean, yeah, we, we've heard, we, we heard, we're hearing a lot about dichotomy in, in your music. And we heard about Danny's story regarding this song that he put together, his experience in Philadelphia and his experience in California. Yeah. And, and I was looking at um, what Kamasi said um, about your music. And I believe it was something along the lines of uh, an almost unbelievable combination of modal jazz, romantic era, European classical music, and mathematical death metal. <laughs> <laughs> all, all three all three forms of music by the way i happen to be incredibly fond of um yes but yes. but i'm just curious like so what is what's a what is a uh what's a writing session for you look like when you sit down and you and and uh i mean i'm sure you don't you don't say like okay i'm going to today i'm going to write a song that's 33 percent mathematical death metal and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but it, com it comes out right it comes out in your composition so how Balance. how do you how, what's that process you know, it's, it's, it's been a process uh, of, you know, perfecting my writing over the years from all the influences and, and music and gigs, thousands of gigs, you know. You know, when I was about like, because I've always been into rock music. I've always been, since I was like eight, nine, I've always been just like you, Living Color. Because I remember you said something, we were talking yesterday and you said something about Living Color. Oh, and I'm, I'm a total fan of Living it's a great so, um, and, and, and Living Color and Van Halen was the, the two bands I kind of started with as rock bands go. Mm -hmm. And then I just started like, I actually left for a while because I, I got really into hip hop and I was doing a lot of hip hop stuff. And then I came back to it like around uh, end of high school. Somebody showed me like the Machine Head record. And I just, I just totally, uh, I forgot about how much power that stuff has, man. I was mm -hmm. totally like, I came back around, but like, man, this stuff is powerful. And then from there was uh, System of a Down. And then from System of a Down, I went to Slipknot. I know it sounds crazy, but <laughs> Slipknot was just like, I was, I was totally in love with Slipknot for a second, man. <laughs> I had a good friend named Kale uh, Giacello. He's from out here. He's from Long Beach. He's a really great drummer. He showed me a Meshuggah record. Oh, uh, guys from Sweden. Yeah, that is and, some of the most amazing yeah, stuff I've ever. Yeah, Meshuggah really. I know, I know. They, you know, more than the other bands. The other bands were just like 
I, I, you know, I was just into the music and I was kind of a fan of that band. Meshuggah was like a study for me, man. Like a complete study. Like, like Coltrane and like Chopin. Meshuggah mm -hmm. is one of my four main influence pillars, man. Uh, they, they really taught me another side to just music in general. I mean, because, I mean, you know, Meshuggah gets a lot of their stuff from Frank Zappa. I mean, Frank Zappa had that, had that stuff. I mean, that's kind of where it comes from, man. You know, the time signatures and the lines and all that stuff. Right. But, you know, Meshuggah just takes it all the way death metal. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so, be, and so from there, so, and so from there, around 2004, 2005, I joined uh, uh, Jada Pinkett's band, Wicked Wisdom. Mm -hmm. And at first they were doing like an R kind of R&B rock. And then I came in and I started showing Jada a bunch of metal stuff. And she really loved it, man. She just became like a metal head. <laughs> and uh, yes. yeah, she did. Uh, you know, I started, cause I, I've also, I also play guitar too as well. And I just, I mean, I don't, I don't play, it's not my number one instrument to play. Like I don't have all the chops and all the theory and stuff with guitar, but I just love playing rock and metal on guitar, you know? <laughs> And so we did like a whole record. We did a whole record. We put it out. It it, it blew up. And we ended up doing like all the the, the festivals, man. Ozfest and Seven Dust uh, tour, and you know we were just it was just we toured like for three years on that stuff. And I was actually playing guitar up there on stage <laughs> and just, just fully loving the whole metal community, man. I was just fully into it. And so that influenced my writing as I go on. Cameron, I'm curious, you know, Danny's talking about the, the whole connection to the audience and, uh, and the connection to each other as musicians. Yeah. Um, and I know that, um, uh, that some, of the, some of the venues that you've been playing with, with your group and with Epic have not been your standard jazz <laughs> club type settings. Exactly. Right? <laughs> like, yeah, at, for instance, Coachella. Of course. Right? Okay. Was it Coachella? Yeah. It was Coachella, right? Or was it South by South? Yeah, we, yeah. Um, Coachella is a very good example of a, of a venue that's not your standard jazz venue. Yeah. So can, can you, um, you know, for, for people who have no idea what it's like uh, to either be a, a jazz musician or even be at a jazz show, can, can you explain the difference between... Because one of the other places that I've seen you play was also at the piano bar, which is about as the size oh, yeah. of a garage. But you know, what what is it? What's it like? Uh, what's it like for you? Like, what's your experience uh, in terms of connecting with an audience and connecting with fellow musicians on a huge stage where the feedback is such a different uh, aspect? Uh, you know, being in in such a large outdoor venue as Coachella, as opposed to being in a tight little place like piano bar where where the feedback is instantaneous yeah i mean you know i to tell you the truth i actually like the piano bar setting a lot better just because of the intimacy uh and the closeness of it mm. uh, it's really tough it's actually really tough on a stage like a coachella stage or like a festival stage like that uh just because you're so spread out and everything really uh, has a lot to do with the your sound and your monitors and the you know your your sound check is so important man and you, you know for a while there with the Kamasi's group we were doing like three hour sound checks man. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> 
Big yeah. groups, though. I mean, you guys are <laughs> massive ensembles. Yeah. I know, right? Two drummers, like, and both drummers had to get in. Every single tom had to be heard. You know? <laughs> Times two, yeah. <laughs> right? So it's, uh, it's, it's, it is, it is a lot. It's a lot. And it's very spread out. And yeah, if your monitor sound, that's very important. Like, I'm sure you guys know, like, monitors and, um, you know, also visual, like if who can see who, yeah. you know, if the, Definitely. The, the, the drummers can see the bass player, the bass player, you know, uh, can see, you know, everybody up front. A lot of times the horn players can't, are, are up front, so they can't yeah. really, yeah, they're not looking behind themselves, but, but. Uh, I've always found it was a challenge on, on a large stage to find sure. that, that connection be, you know the the same connection that you feel like when when literally like the slide of the trombone is going past your face you know, because you're <laughs> yeah. so close you know and, and like and you've got to find a way to fit everybody in there and maybe you've got music stands and then you've got microphone stands and you're in a tiny little place and and, and it's it, you know to to going to a to a large stage like that and, tr and just trying oh. to connect but so do you feel that your that the music that you're creating allows for that level of interaction that you find in a jazz setting yeah i mean you know with with the band i have right now the quartet that i'm using on this brand new record it's a lot easier because we said what we do is we set up even if it's a festival stage we'll set up really close in the mm -hmm. middle you know mm -hmm. center stage almost like almost downstage a little bit and close close together as a quartet. So yeah, we still have that, you know, close knit setting and we can see each other and, you know, hear each other and just, you know, have that telepathic communication rather than, I mean, cause we did, I did uh, the Hollywood Bowl during COVID last year with Kamasi wow. and he had all the musicians set up where he had a uh, plexiglass and we had to be set up 12 feet away from each other, all on stage. Wow. So we were, you want to talk about spread out, man. <laughs> it, it was, we took, <laughs> oh my it was the first time the same footprint as the other like Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> so crazy. Cameron, wow. I, I do know that you are going to show us uh, a video or a, a performance. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to show you guys a, a video um, of me performing the song Red off of my latest record. I have my record right here just to show you guys uh, the album Seven. It just got released uh, uh, this year, uh, in 2021, February 19th, and it's called Seven. And yeah, so we're gonna be playing one of the songs. You'll you'll see my band, it's, it's entitled Red. Uh, and you know, you can, uh, you know, hit me up on uh, Instagram or uh, Facebook, Cam on Piano. DMing, whatever, get in contact. And so, yeah, there it is.
rad. Okay. That was so awesome. That was red. Thank you. We did see a video of you. You went from one keyboard and you switched up on us to another keyboard. Like that was amazing. <laughs> My goodness. Congratulations to you about that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can't hear the, you can't hear the, uh, the actual piano and the band size playing. So I have oh. to jump over. To the <laughs> so what it, so since the three of you are all friends, um, I know that, you know, Nick, you did work with Danny. Is there like a collaboration maybe in the future with all three of you guys together? What are you guys working? It would be right an, now? it'd be an honor to play with you more, uh, Cameron. I think maybe we, we may have crossed paths one night at the piano bar. I feel like a, a couple Many times, nights, right? Yeah. yeah a couple, yeah. A couple times. Yeah. Yeah. When it was you, you would come through Zane was there and Oh, man. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. that was that was totally. that was that really was nice times, man. That was really good times. It's it yeah. It's, I mean, at this it point was. in time, I think that with between the three of us having as many projects going on as as we do, and trying to trying as hard as we can to stay focused on them, and another honestly another collaboration to me makes me break out in a cold sweat. <laughs> um, <laughs> just because it's not as simple as us yeah. all like you know. If we could if we could book a studio on an afternoon, go in and hang and play for a few hours, that would be I'm fine. I'm sure we would come up with some cool stuff though. I'm so, I'm I, sure I it would be would, yeah. It would yeah, be really but, cool. And but, you, know, you know, doing I, the uh, the sorry. doing like remote remote recording, it's it's such a timely process because is, everybody has to add their part and they do and you know it's really quite something. You know what's you know what's wild, Cameron? Like you were talking about your influences earlier and like and then hearing what Kamasi said about your music, you know, and honestly, like I've listened to your music before and I could totally hear all those influences yeah. distinctly in your music and the way you, the, just the way you play the piano, but also the way you orchestrate your songs as an arranger, as a composer, you can totally hear that, that you have a love for, you know, heavy metal, but you also super love, you know, Chopin, you know, it's like, it's very cool that you found a way to combine all of your loves for and affinities for all these different uh, styles of music. I think it's really dope. Thanks, man. Yeah. yeah thank, thanks so much for that. Yeah. That's a compliment, man. I, I, you know, I just, it just comes, you know, you know how it is when you're composing, it just comes out of you and, you know, you just write. Right right and it's and, and then there it is bring it to the band you know so. i think that's what's cool about you know i mean uh calypso calypso you're, you're hearing a lot of this music for the first time but yes. that's what's so cool about about being an audience member for like original music is that you're hearing a unique expression uh directly from all the influences that we've ever heard or ever played, you know, and you get to enjoy that sort of that mishmash of, of influences. <laughs> You're absolutely yeah, totally. right. You're absolutely right. I, I'm now a fan of all three of you and I definitely am going to be listening to your music more. Some of you said, I like it when it's more intimate, you know, cause you can feed off the energy of the people. And it, it's so true, man. I honestly feel like you guys give the same energy I know you would in a big venue or a little one. And really just thank you just for sharing your music. That was so beautiful. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank awesome. you. Yeah. How are you guys staying busy with your projects or, you know, with COVID? Because I know things are getting better, but they're still, it's still there. Yeah. Well, um, Oklahoma uh, has a different approach to how they, how they're proceeding than, than uh, Los Angeles 
does. Um, Tulsa, you know, people are still wearing masks, but people are are also getting vaccinated. Um, uh, there are actually, I was pleased to find out that um, that uh, in Tulsa there are outdoor venues that are functioning starting as early as March and extending well into the fall. So, um, so I have a I have a bunch of things coming up actually that are, that are all at. Uh, uh, either outdoor venues or like indoor outdoor type event spaces, um, and uh, and the um, the backyard concert scene is huge here. I, I can't even believe because everybody's got a backyard. Yeah, <laughs> literally every it's single person. That's cool. That's awesome. So so that's been pretty cool. It's awesome. I've been working on um, uh, actually producing and hosting a, a, my own podcast uh, slash docu series that. Um, has been really uh, a, a joy to work on. Um, it, it's a little tough to do, obviously, to coordinate people because we're doing it live at this uh, theater in downtown Inglewood called the Miracle Theater. Um, and uh, I've been really, really lucky to, to have some amazing conversations with um, Benny Maupin and, and Lou Donaldson. We did that one over the phone. Uh, but basically, the, 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 the podcast is called Creative Hero, and it's... Um, a two-part podcast like that I'm hosting, bringing on a young up-and-coming musician. Love to have Cameron on, man. Um, if yeah. if you're in town, um, and then well, interviewing their their legend uh, that they look up to, you know, an elder hero of theirs. Um, and so, you know, look out for that coming soon. Um, so that's keeping me busy as a producer, and then I'm doing a lot of recording in studio with different projects. I'm working on a record with Larry Goldings. Uh, like I said, I'm doing something with um, my a new group with a single. Um, and I'm, you know, uh, I'm lucky that I'm actually teaching a lot. I'm, I'm pretty passionate about educating. So I've been doing a lot of, um, zoom masterclasses and, you know, just hosting my own and, and inviting people to, to sign up for that. And then one-on-one -on -one lessons, um, which I'm really like, uh, happy that I'm, I'm, I've been doing for a long time, but I'm even more happy that I'm doing it now because I feel like, uh, it's been keeping my spirits up. Uh, to interact with people and to give them some um, some positive reinforcement and also you know constructive elements to get better during this you know wacky time we're living through. So I'm really I'm really blessed that I'm keeping busy with with those projects and uh, love to hear what you're up to, Cameron. Hey man, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, I'd love to be on that podcast, man. That'd be cool. That'd, that'd be, that'd really be dope, cool. man. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Totally. Yeah, I just been. You know, I really actually I'm working on a I'm working on a, a, a TV show right now, TV show for the Planetary Prince. It's gonna oh, be an anime awesome. anime show. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, a lot of that comes because I've been trying to bring this book, the book of the Urantra book, the book of Urantra. I've been trying to bring that to light since I started this, you know, endeavor with the 2017 record Planetary Prince. And so now I'm going to fully just dive in and that's what I've been doing. So I'm working on the treatment and I'm working with a, a graphic artist right now, working on kind of like the, the animation of the planetary prince and uh, his corporal staff, which are, which are called the life carriers. And, uh, and yeah, they come from another place in the universe and then they come and they bring this uh, crazy music and this crazy knowledge. And there's going to be a lot of twists and and uh, and all kinds of 
um, all kinds of stuff in that in that TV show, man. So, so I'm That's just exciting. getting started on this. Yeah, so I've just been working on that the whole time. <laughs> That's so exciting. I'm just practicing my bebop scales. <laughs> Yo, I'm doing a lot of that too, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same thing. Shedding, for sure. <laughs> Well, Danny, Cameron, and Nick, uh, we really want to thank you guys, you know, just for schooling us on jazz, on the different aspects of it, the metal, the sweet, the smooth, you know, the, the perfection. I learned so many words today. <laughs> I definitely have to thank you guys. Um, we're so excited because, you know, you guys have awesome, amazing projects coming up and we're, we can't wait to see what that comes into. And I know something happened because some collaboration is going to happen. Mark my words. Oh, definitely. Will happen. Uh, really quick. We will be hosting the Warner Ranch Park June 27th. Okay. Weekly concerts through September 5th. Now, that's your summer made right there, okay? Go to valleycultural.org. We have a great light show for next time. We have, uh, we're going to celebrate Cinco de Mayo, okay? It's a Mexican history. Our next episode, May the 6th, okay? It's going to include one of Los Angeles' most famous mariachi groups, the Mariachi Linda Mexicana, and also joining up the Delgado Brothers and Conjunto Jardín. So we cannot wait for that. So, you know what? Join us next time.